I don't know. That sounds like a Mississippi State type thing to have. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to My Got a Podcast. I'm Jim Wood. In this episode, John Powell, Hunter Jones, and I preview Georgia's top 10 showdown with Ole Miss. We talk through what we're looking for in the game, and we answer questions from you, our listeners. As always, remember to check out the newly redesigned MyGotAPodcast.com to see our latest merch. And you can follow us on social media at MyGotAPodcast. Finally, we'd love for you to check out our presenting sponsor, Oxia Time, at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A-T-I-M-E.com. Now, let's join the conversation in progress. Here we are. We have a, we have a special guest with us this evening, Jim. Special guest in the house, Ole Miss, uh, you know, the fighting hunters. So we got to have Hunt the, Hunt the Jones on the episode. Hunter, welcome back to my God Podcast. Yes, great to be back. I figured I figured that uh, Jim Jim and I were like recanting the or re- recalling the the histories with my God of podcast, and we kind of figured out that we hadn't had Hunter. Although technically John's not with us now either, so we're gonna have to resolve that one, Jim, because we haven't had Hunter and John on this season, and we kind of contributed to Georgia's slow start to the season. We just we got to get we got to get right. We got to get right. It's good to have you back. Yes, I'm glad to be back. AP Jones now. We can we call him AP Jones around these parts. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Hey, uh That's part of why uh why I'm drinking what I'm drinking tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's yeah, what uh what what are you drinking? Are you drinking a hot 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 toddy? No, not a hot toddy tonight. I just went with little Blantons because I needed something that I knew was gonna go right today. <laughs> it has been one of those days for us all, I feel like. <laughs> yes, it has. Uh Jim, I, what are you drinking? I got okay with with Hunter on Hunter. This one's for you, and I've been I've been saving this one for this game. So this is a Old Elk Wheat Wheat Lovers. Uh, it was, it was a single barrel, and uh, I also added the uh, the Elk Head pour on. So I'm gonna pour from the pour from the Elk Head. <laughs> nice. I have uh, on my side. I actually have the Blue Note, uh, the Store Pick Blue Note. Which is, which is made in in Memphis, which is a big, a big city for Ole Miss, right? Right, Hunter. Like it can kind of lead us into some of the fun facts, right? It is. It is. It's not too far from Oxford. Um, Oxford's kind of grown now. I can't really speak for what those, uh, what the Ole Miss people have going for them right now. But at least when I was in school, Memphis was a big destination for our uh, fraternity outings, um, various bid day, uh, bid night. Uh, trips to Beale Street. Um, don't ask me to recall uh, the details. Nice. We won't, we won't subject you to such uh, <laughs> to such stories. <laughs> your students, your students would have a lot of questions. I feel like. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the for those who don't know, I, I'm, sure, I'm I feel like everyone knows. Uh, but let's pretend you know, this is their first time at seeing Hunter. Yeah. So if you, <laughs> so if you don't know Hunter, Hunt the Jones on Twitter. Uh, uniform Twitter extraordinaire, uh, graphic designer, uh, helped has has helped us out, bounce ideas off of him, countless times. Friend of the show, been on multiple times. Uh, but a it, it, you have a unique spot uh, for you as attending Ole Miss, but then also you know coming into Georgia fandom as well. So uh, I, I know it's probably a weird week for you too. <laughs> Yeah, it, for sure. It's a weird week. And I mean, I really haven't had to 
face this week in all of my uh, tenure as a Georgia fan because um, for those that don't know, uh, I did attend Ole Miss. I'm from Mississippi, born and raised here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, which is a lot different from the rest of Mississippi for all you Mississippi haters out there. Uh, I, I see you out there on the Twitters. Um, but um, I went to Ole Miss for undergrad and for graduate school. And um, that is where I met my wife, who um, is from the Atlanta area. She was from Swanee, went to Collins Hill High School. Um, and we met at Ole Miss. And in 2014, she uh, decided she liked me enough to take me around to her family uh, in Georgia. And um, that's kind of where my Georgia interest began was uh, the 2014 season, our way to visit her family was to go to Georgia games. Mm. Um, so I got my first taste of Georgia games. They weren't that great. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't say it was a great football watching experience, but it's for somebody who is, you know, a fan of history and college football pageantry, it doesn't get much better than Athens and the hospitality that all Georgia fans, especially, you know, my family who, have been season ticket holders since the 1980s um, showed me that first time I went, uh, I just, I kind of fell in love with the place um, and the tradition of Georgia. And like I said, it became part of our family tradition. So um, yeah. it's more than just uh, fandom to me. It's, it's that side of my family. Um, that's how we get together. That's how we um, have fellowship is uh, at Georgia games. And so, since 2014, I've kind of been um, slowly ingratiated myself best I can into into the Georgia uh, side of the fandom. And it just so happened that um, I'm going to call myself the good luck charm because <laughs> I came in right at right at the lowest of the low and rode all the way to the to the top with with it. So um, yeah. it's been great. I think That's I think awesome. we just asked Hunter, what's his Georgia story? <laughs> I think we did. We, we just gave him a roundabout, a roundabout, a roundabout. He answered the question. Uh, man. Yeah. I, I actually hadn't heard it. I didn't know the 2014 Hunter. I don't, I don't know that I had gotten that. I knew that a specific year. So I, I actually, if I, am I crazy? I think that's the same year British bulldog discovered. I was, the ducks. I was just about to say, I feel like that it's all meant to be. <laughs> what I hear you saying Hunter is that, you are always one of us. <laughs> That's right. And so for those of you that are going to see us at the game this weekend, uh, my wife, uh, shout out to Meg Jones. She uh, will be yes. in attendance this weekend, but she will be wearing blue. Um, she is, she has a very, uh, how do I put it? She has a different relationship now with Georgia than she did. So as a kid, she was a diehard Georgia fan. Uh -huh. Um barking at people as a little girl um but her <laughs> freshman year our freshman year at Ole Miss was the last time Ole Miss played at Stanford Stadium and so when we were freshmen we did not we didn't know each other but I've heard the story now uh multiple times um her and her sorority sisters made the trip to Athens and tailgated with her family where she'd been tailgating all of her life and um sat in our seats where she'd been sitting all of her life and uh, some fans that were not regulars to the section 
um, actually had some pretty vulgar things to say about her and her friends in front of uh, her stepdad and um, her uncles and all the friends. And it almost started a brawl amongst Georgia fans uh, because, you know, um, they didn't like them talking to their uh, daughter like that. And uh, so she's got a bad taste in her mouth uh, for Georgia from that moment on. And now that they're playing Ole Miss in Athens again, it's that's her favorite story to tell this week with how much <laughs> she hated that experience and why she's going to be wearing blue this weekend. Wow. I feel like it was the Bobo guy that sits behind me. It was. probably the same guy. <laughs> it probably was. I'd say that uh, that person most likely didn't go to the University of Georgia and does not represent the large contingency of folks we try to you know i we try to be fairly hospitable we talk a little trash here and there but like there's always a fine line that you being intimidating atmosphere there's always a line you just don't cross and vulgarity is usually probably right up against that yeah yeah we've all we've all got them oh shoot man i've got stories from college with kim and i of getting into it with other georgia students (laughs) yeah seriously (laughs) uh yeah sorry yeah. meg sorry meg the jones maybe maybe one day we can win you over but you being you guys being double double rebs right where what do they call it we're, we're double dogs what do they call the double double rebs i don't know if we have a term for it but i like the sound of double ribs okay kind of nice little ring to it we'll probably so, never get her back but you know there's definitely is there going to be a house divided when uh, the little one comes comes along like what's what's going on there no, I don't. I don't think there's going to be a house divided. I think it's just kind of this week that's got her fired up. She'll she'll never admit to it, but I've caught her a couple times when she says she doesn't want to watch the game or whatever. I'll you know take a minute to go walk into the bedroom to see what she's doing, and she's got the game on, and she's like, "What is good? Why can't we score?" I think it was the Auburn game that she was really getting fired up on her own in there watching, and I'm like, "See, you are a fan." Uh, the we the we does a lot of heavy lifting there meg the jones yeah <laughs> you're not supposed to lift heavy objects right now <laughs> uh, that's great well you also you also slipped something in there into your into your question john around uh uh also soon to be uh father and mother so c- congrats on that uh a, a baby jones on the way baby the jones on the way baby baby the jones yes um, so <laughs> this kid is april, gonna be the most amazing kid ever <laughs> april 5th is is the uh the date right now i'm hoping that that's pretty accurate because that means i get a master's baby yes yes immediate master's fit will be ready uh that we can i can't go. i can't wait for the amazing fits that this kid is gonna rock <laughs> just wait till the first birthday if it's a master's baby where it's uh and see, Meg the Jones will even agree to me with this one. She's on board a um, hole-in-one first birthday party with Master's theme. I like it. I like it. Nice. <laughs> nice. It, That's it, awesome. It's going to be glorious for both of us. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Gonna, well, you know, again, congratulations formally, podcast formal. Yes. Congratulations. congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh all right. Why don't we? Why don't we run down? Uh, we can start r- running down our matchup, and, and we got a we got an old Miss guy with us, old Miss grad with us, uh, who, who who can help us get help guide the way through all this. Um, so kickoff uh, Saturday, uh, seven p.m. Um, 
between the hedges at Dooley Field. Uh, dogs come in at nine and zero, six and zero in the SEC, and Ole Miss comes in eight and one, five and one in the SEC. Uh, the only loss uh, to Alabama. Um, the dogs are number one, uh, but two in the playoff. Ole Miss is tenth across the board in both uh, polls as well as the, uh, the CFP. Um, so with it being a night game on ESPN, you got the, for those who are watching at home and can't make it, uh, got Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit, and Holly Rowe. Uh, the official hashtag, John, make sure I do not forget to tweet with the official hashtag this week, uh, is hashtag Miss versus UGA. Um, Jim, knock time, on your head. Knock, knock on the head. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll forget. I, I need to like set a reminder. Um, all-time history. Uh, so uh, Georgia leads the series all-time 32-13-1, according to Georgia. But as we say on My Got a Podcast, it's not a rivalry unless the teams disagree. But this one is backwards. Ole Miss says the record is 32-12-1. They give themselves one less win credit. And so I noticed that when I was reading through the Ole Miss game notes that they had one less. And so I, I read a little deeper to see why. Uh, and it's because I guess we credit the 2016 game that Ole Miss, uh, went, the last game between these two teams, uh, but there were sanctions. And so Ole Miss is vac- vacated, baby. The Ole Miss vacated. way. So they Ole Miss vacated it. Uh, so I, I thought that was kind of funny that Georgia counts it, but Ole Miss doesn't. So interesting. Shout out to Hugh Freeze. Thanks, Hugh Freeze. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so that was that last meeting. So that last meeting was uh, September 24th in 2016, uh, 45 to 14 win by the Rebels in Oxford. Uh, that was Kirby's first year. The dogs were undefeated going into that game. I think that was the week after that uh the fourth down touchdown pass from uh, Jacob Eason to Isaiah McKenzie beat Missouri at Missouri following week. We uh, went and got waxed in Oxford, but Hey, it was vacated. It didn't, it didn't actually happen. It didn't, it didn't count. <laughs> exactly. Wish we could um, go back and replay the whole season after that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so the weather looks like decent temperature wise, high 63, low 52, I haven't looked back, but when I looked earlier today, my recommendation is to bring a poncho. I saw like there is some light rain in the forecast throughout the day. Um, so I don't know, monitor that throughout the week and apparently listen to John because John, like when you warned me to bring a jacket and I don't, it rains. Um, so we'll, we'll lean to you as the week progresses. <laughs> as I will advise you in the early morning hours of what the weather is like, because that's the way that it drifts over. <laughs> exactly. So my question is, is it baseball pullover weather? Ooh, ooh, that's a good question. So hilarious thing about that, Hunter, when you posted the picture earlier tonight to say that we had a special episode of my got a podcast coming with a picture of us from the Tennessee game last year, I actually had the same thought. Cause I was like, Ooh, I wore my baseball pullover to that game. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it probably was this past weekend. Uh, cause this past weekend I was all worried about getting cold and it, it did not. Um, so yeah, it may be, it just may be cause it's not, I don't know, it looks like it'll be a little colder than last weekend. Um, little still cold. not too bad. Yeah. You might, might actually need a jacket, a light the humidity, jacket. The humidity is probably what's going to be more annoying. Right. Right. All mm-hmm. right. Well, th- th- that's it 20- for the matchup. Um, but I know, uh, JP, I think you had some fun facts and some things you kind of wanted to bounce off of Hunter since we've got the Ole Miss grad on. I did. I did. We have, we have, uh, an Ole Miss person, so we can do some, some, some fact checking on, on some of these things. Um, <clears throat> Hunter, one of the things that, uh, that we came across on the, on the fun facts was that, um, Ole Miss, uh, is the first, is the first university in the Southeast that hired a female professor. 
Um, they hired a woman in 1885, which I thought was kind of crazy. The oldest was the first place that that happened. Um, it looks like that uh, the other thing that I, when we were researching this stuff, um, Oxford, Mississippi is actually named for Oxford College over in uh, jolly old England, where they had hoped that this, the reason that they named the, the folks named the city Oxford was in an attempt to attract academic like minds um, to the university that they were recently opening, which is the only only college or only university in the uh, in the state. So I thought that was kind of crazy. Had you had you talked about that with any of your had you come across that in any of your studies down there? I had. It, it was kind of a like a story. Uh, I'm not sure how validated it is, but um, you kind of hinted at it that they actually named the city Oxford in hopes of being granted the university when the governor was going to, you know, weigh the options of where to place the university. They they went ahead and named it Oxford to try to make it more attractive for a university. Mm, and it worked. He got, got scammed, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, um, funny enough, speaking of the English ties, um, have you seen any double decker buses rolling around Oxford? We actually have a bunch of double decker buses and a festival. Um, I don't know how familiar I'm trying to think of the Georgia equivalent. Cause I know here on the coast, we actually just had it this past weekend, which is why we weren't at the Missouri game. Um, the Peter Anderson art festival here in ocean Springs. Okay. It's a really big festival where uh, they set up booths and people walk all around downtown. Well, Oxford has an equivalent in the spring, and it's called the Double Decker Festival. Ah. Mm. I mean, it sounds pretty cool. I mean, a bunch of double deckers riding around. So I guess that they imported those um, from England in 1994, it sounds like. So it's been around yeah, for man, a little you bit. You got to go, bit go with the, uh, you're going to name it Oxford, you just got to run with it. I say yeah. 94. Recent. Yeah, 1994, pretty recent. Yeah, exactly. Cool. But uh, I thought that was kind of cool that they are, are, are layering in those those ties. Here's here's one for you, Hunter. Do either of you enjoy Nukes or McAllister's? Very much. The first of those restaurants were born in Oxford. Hmm. Look McAllister's, McAllister's was founded in 1989 and Nukes was founded in 2004. Um, so I thought that was I thought that was pretty interesting. Oxford is also home to the oldest, uh, I believe the oldest department store. Uh, is it in the, do you know what's, what's is it the, uh, it's the oldest department store in the South. Is it uh, Nielsen's? Nielsen's. Yep. It's located on the square. Uh, it was established in 1839. Talk Man. about the Peter Millar spot for all of our apparel fans out there. <laughs> yes. you, want, you want the Ole Miss Peter Millar look, you're going to Nielsen's. Do they, nice. have like, do they have shirts and things that you can't get anywhere else? Yes. And actually, I, I've been meaning to get up there, but it's hard. It's harder to get to Oxford to, than it is to get to Athens. Um, pretty much uh, from where I live, from where we live, um, Oxford is a solid six-hour drive, whereas it's the same six hours to get to Meg's family's house in Atlanta. So, um hmm. We don't ever really get the chance to make it up to Oxford unless it's a point. But like I said, Georgia games are kind of our way during the fall to visit her family. So we always lean on the side of coming to Georgia versus coming to Oxford. Um, but they do. Um, they've got 
the football helmet. I know that you can buy Georgia's version of it online, but you cannot find anywhere online the Ole Miss version of the Peter Millar apparel with the actual football helmet embroidered on the chest. But at Nielsen's, you can find it there. And they've got the navy helmet and the powder blue helmet as an option for that embroidery. Nice. I like how fun facts have also become like trivia to see if Hunter knows it. It's amazing. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> uh, a couple of other a couple of other notes, and then we can kind of move on to um, our, our history section. But um, our further history section, <clears throat> the the original the original stained glass from Tiffany's Breakfast at Tiffany's, <laughs> famous famous Breakfast at Tiffany's, is actually located in one of the halls that we were talking about. That you you sounded like you knew that one. Yeah, Ventress Hall. Um, it used to be the Fine Arts uh, or Art Department's building. Um, it actually isn't in, at least to my last knowledge, it's not in use for classroom use anymore because um, it, it's become more of a historical site. Um, but anybody that's ever been to Oxford. Uh, maybe y'all made that trip down to the Grove uh, last time the dogs played. Um, it's right on the corner of the Grove, between the Grove and what we call the Circle. Um, and it's the one that looks like a castle. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah, that was gifted That was gifted to the university um, in memory of the Ole Miss students that fought in the Civil War um, in 1891 by Delta Gamma sorority. Um, so... That, that was that was pretty cool. And speaking of civil war, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of connections with Ole Miss. You mentioned in the podcast before the podcast, you were talking about how there's a lot of civil war kind of items around. Is there anything like a particular note that you can think of off the top of your head that we should call out for all the civil war, uh, um, you know, kind of artifacts around campus? I know a lot of the buildings were used for various purposes. Um, a couple uh, hospital type buildings i think even the lyceum which is kind of the trademark building of the university that's on the academic crest and um, it's at the head of the circle uh, with the big uh, white columns it was used uh, i believe as a hospital type building and then if i'm not mistaken i think there was even one building that was used as like a morgue um <laughs> yeah i can't i'm not i don't remember which one it was that was the fair. That was Fairley Hall, actually. Um, which the original building in Fairley Hall was was used as a morgue during the Civil War. Um, it was demolished in 1958. But there's a plaque there that that talks about it. Uh, the Lyceum Hall you were talking about was also used as a hospital, um, which was a location near Fairley. You know, to basically bring the dead to mm-hmm. Fairley Hall. So there's and I actually, do know that um, behind. Behind the old basketball arena, which we called the Tad Tad, uh, before they built the pavilion, um, there is a graveyard um, with Civil War soldiers uh, buried in it. I don't know for a fact if it's the university graves or not, but there is a graveyard behind the Tad Tad, kind of on the south side of campus that has Civil War uh, ties to it. This this the Tad Pad. That's a cool name, Jim. We gotta we gotta come up with better names for our our basketball facilities. Mm, the Steg, <clears throat> the Steg. Steg. Yeah. All right. Last one. Uh, you mentioned this. Uh, you mentioned this location um, earlier. Um, you mentioned the the circle. Do you know what that was originally used for? Um, I don't I don't know where this is going with <laughs> with original use. Um, but I do know that it's kind of the 
primary uh, academic focal point of the campus. I think your your answer was much more uh, academic than what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, allegedly, and I read it on the internet, Hunter, this is why I wanted to verify, trust but verify, right? Uh, apparently the original use of the circle was for students to originally keep their livestock while they were in class. So they would bring horses, chickens, cows, etc., and that's where they would that's where they would stay while the students went to class. I don't know. That sounds like a Mississippi State type thing to have. Uh, <laughs> not necessarily at Ole Miss. Horses, horses. Goats? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Um, but another fun <laughs> fact, though, for anybody that ever gets to make a trip to Oxford, in the circle, you will find a brick with both mine and Meg the Jones' names on it. Um, as double rebel alumni, we have a brick now. So, mm, uh, fun nice. fact. Nice. That is the best. That's the best fun fact to end on, Jim. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to take a stab at doing uh, our, our, our history um, from our the unofficial official, but it's actually official uh, historian of my got a podcast, uh, Jason Hasty, and uh, I think we're going to go with Hasty's Hargrid history. Uh, and we'll, we'll see if that sticks. We'll see if that sticks. All right. So, so uh, this is this is Jason's uh, submission this week. So, since World War One, only three of Georgia's head football coaches have gone on to take a position as head coach at another university when their time in Athens was over. Joel Hunt coached Georgia for only one year in 1938, then was head coach at Wyoming in 1939. Uh, Mark Richt was head coach at Miami from 2016 to 2018. Harry Mayer, who coached Georgia from 1928 through 1937, went on to coach Ole Miss for seven seasons. Mayer is also the only former Georgia head coach since before World War I to take another position as head coach and then coach against Georgia. Uh, Harry Mayer played center for Newt Rockney from 1919 to 1921 when Notre Dame went 28-1 and the line was nicknamed the Seven Mules, uh, which I know we were talking about this a little bit beforehand. I had no idea that uh harry mayor played for newt rockney so news <laughs> news to me yes, um, seriously. <laughs> uh he then came to athens in 1924 as an assistant to george kid woodruff and was elected by players and alumni to serve as george's head coach when woodruff resigned following the 1927 which we're talking like some major georgia names in history everyone knows mayor uh, and woodruff also the woodruff practice fields uh so these are these are definitely some big names um Mayor's 1929 team defeated Yale 15 to nothing in Sanford Stadium's dedication game. After that, he was offered a lifetime contract by Georgia. After he was pr pressured to resign following the 1937 season, Mayor would joke that in order to get out of the contract, Georgia had to have him declared legally dead. Um, but after leaving Georgia, Mayor took the head coaching position at Ole Miss. The Ole Miss and Georgia weren't regular opponents until after World War II. Mayor coached his Ole Miss team in three games against Georgia in 1940 and 1941 in Athens and in 1942 in Memphis. So Memphis, Hunter, you, you said that was close by. Um, he was 1-1-1 one, in those three games, winning the 1940 game, tying the 1941 game, and losing to the eventual national champions in Memphis in 1942. Um, so what I wanted to add... Uh, to that, so this is this is crazy to me. Uh, so, do you guys know who the coach was of that 1942 uh, Rose Bowl winning national championship team for Georgia? Wasn't it Butts? It was Butts. So I I decided that that game in Memphis what? was the Butts Mayor Bowl. 
what what <laughs> so i'm surprised my, my i'm surprised that that wasn't in his notes <laughs> uh, that was a missed opportunity uh so pretty crazy pretty crazy so yeah there was actually a game uh Marin versus butts butts pretty crazy um that's what we got for uh hasty's hardwood history so thanks again jason uh another excellent uh submission excellent submission that nobody nobody would have seen that coming no no <laughs> never never all right we can move on a uh, couple of news and notes uh i'm gonna do a quick basketball i'll do less than a minute on basketball uh the hoop dogs began their season today we're recording on monday uh lost the season opener against oregon 82 to 71 in las vegas um they were over Oregon's pretty good. They were they were overmatched. Um, but a lot of newcomers. Uh, but if you're in town for the old miss game this weekend, uh the home opener for the dogs is Friday at seven o'clock at the Steg against Wake Forest. Um so if you're in town, maybe you can go head out, uh head over to the Steg and cheer on the hoop dogs Friday night. Um all right, Kirby's press conference. He opened uh congratulating or talking about basketball and then congratulating women's soccer. Uh they won the SEC tournament this week uh so congrats to them um huge uh huge huge day for the soccer team and we we actually have a neighbor who plays on the team by the way she's a junior um let's see only other thing i jotted down was on jamon dumas johnson so we know jdj left uh the missouri game injured uh he has a fractured forearm but i thought this was interesting he when he got asked about his timetable to return or would he return Kirby said he's going to try to find some innovative ways to get back and be able to play, but won't know the extent of that until a couple of more days. So I have that no, no idea. I assume that means maybe like playing in a cast or something, but I'm not. I was about to say, I wonder if we're going to see in one of those like old school big clubs where his whole arm is just a club that he can beat people with. Exactly. An old school club. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I think that uh, what he's alluding to is something that I noticed um, in there, there was a guy, there was a guy over the summer that did a, a facilities tour um, with the university athletic department. I can't remember the guy's name, Jim, what was the guy's name that came through and did the, the I mean, he's like a big YouTuber that, that does a lot of facilities. Uh, inter- oh, the, the, the guy. He, okay. I don't, I can't remember what his actual name is, but his handle on TikTok is like uh-huh. de- destroying that guy, that guy. Yeah. 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 He, he was a the punter at UCF. Right. He used to be. He, uh, he came through and was showcasing a lot of stuff. One of the things, maybe it was his video, maybe I'm just making it up and that's where I thought I saw it. But one of the things that the university has at its disposal is a hyperbaric chamber. And that is a, that, that that has a number of big time impacts on um, on athletes' recovery, on a number of things. One of the things is hyperbaric treatments for like CTE and like concussions and stuff like that, because the way that mm-hmm. oxygen um, pushes into into the body. But that's one of the things that can help speed up recovery, uh, including bones and all, all sorts of things. So I have a feeling that the university is exercising hyperbaric treatments. Interesting. Interesting. Um... Let's see. I don't have any Lane Kiffin press conference notes or anything, but uh, another fun fact, uh, Ole Miss is the only SEC team, and Lane Kiffin is one of only two current SEC head coaches that Kirby Smart has not defeated. Uh, So, John, I know, I think you mentioned that. We talked about that a while back. I think you talked about it as like the last Infinity Stone or something like that. 
along those lines for Kirby. Uh, Ole Miss, the only SEC team that has not defeated. But yeah, so yeah, on the line. That's, a, that's what's on the line. Let's get into the matchup. We're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. All right, offense. What are we looking for when Georgia has the ball? Uh, and Hunter, you can definitely have, help us out here. First off, I'm curious if these are even the right guys to match to, to mention on, on the <laughs> on the Ole Miss defense. So the leading tackler is Trey Washington, uh, junior safety. Um, he has got 59 total tackles and two picks. Um, John Saunders, uh, a senior safety, leads the team with three interceptions. Uh, also has 48 total tackles. And then Jared Ivy is a senior defensive end. Uh, he leads the team with five and a half sacks. Um, I don't know, any other like disruptors in the defense that you're aware of that we need to be watching out for? Um, well, I think you, you definitely hit the one with Ivy. He's kind of been coming on strong uh, the more the year has gone on. He's he's found his way to really be a disruptor there at the D-line position. Um, yeah. He he's he talks to the media a little bit. Um, I, I saw a quote from him today where uh, Lane Lane's kind of uh, got it pumped into the old Miss guy's mind that they, they don't need to give anybody any kind of material. And you'll probably see multiple iterations of Lane tweet something along the lines of uh, no rat poison with uh, emojis uh, this week. Um, so you're not going to get a lot out of those guys. But Jared Ivey is uh, one of the big disruptors on defense. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I know, uh, so they're, they're in their first year under new defensive coordinator, uh, Pete Golding who came over from Alabama. Um, he was at Bama as a defensive coordinator from 2018 to 2012. Um, a, a ra- I got a random one for you, Hunter. Do you know, like, does Pegues play a lot? Do you know JJ Pegues? You're talking about JJ? Yeah, he is a defensive uh, lineman, and he is also a super athlete. Um, he actually played quarterback um, uh, for a couple uh, different packages when he was at Auburn um under Gus Malzahn um and when he was at Oxford High School he was like the the go-to athlete the guy at Oxford High School um he actually is from Oxford um so he's kind of an Ole Miss hometown guy Uh, a lot of Ole Miss people joke uh, especially Oxford people that he's the mayor of Oxford because he doesn't go anywhere in Oxford (laughs) where he doesn't know anybody or um you know have something to say to somebody so um, he's a good kid. He's a, uh, he's a, he's a freak athlete for how big he is and, uh, kind of what he can do athletically. Uh, you don't see guys that big be able to move like that a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a real deal. Well, and he's a, am I not, am I correct in that he started out at Auburn and transferred to Ole Miss? Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cause I, I remember like in season one of my got a podcast when we first previewed the first time we played Auburn, when we had a podcast, John, he was one of the guys that you like call out to watch for Auburn. And he was a tight end back then from what I remember. So getting back to your like athletic ability, uh, now, now he's nice playing defense for Ole Miss. I was going to say Pegues, Pegues was, uh, that, I knew that name sounded familiar. Yeah. Same guy, same guy. Yeah. So that's he's been wild. known to take some offensive snaps for the Rebs too. Lane Kiffin. Uh, kind of likes to sneak him in there sometimes and kind of weaponize him if he can. Hopefully, hopefully they, they, they're ready for that because they, they saw him in the previous season. Yeah. So, okay. So, so is there anything, I don't know, I, I guess what are you guys looking for for the Georgia offense to do against, against these guys? Like, I, I don't know, Hunter, if there's anything that like Ole Miss would be like susceptible to, you would think as far as watching, knowing uh, what they do and what Georgia does. 
Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing that Georgia should be able to do is they should just be able to kind of lean on Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss doesn't have the horses up front right now to kind of be as effective in what Pete wants to do. Um, he, you know, he's used to having uh, those Alabama type guys to run that defense. And I mean, don't get me wrong, the Ole Miss defense is much improved, and they they kind of have been getting better as the season goes. But they're really, really um, inconsistent. They ebb and flow. Um, they might look really good one week and then really bad the next week. Um, and I think it's just kind of, you know, they, they don't have the guys yet. Um, yeah. They're going to be well coached. They're going to um, know what to do and be on their assignment. It's just a matter of actually having the guy to execute it every time, especially when you play a team like Georgia. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be really a uh, feast or famine uh, for Georgia, I think personally, uh, Ole Miss is pretty susceptible uh, in the middle of the field. Um, they don't have the uh, size, I think, that uh, Pete is necessarily happy with right now to run the defense that he wants to run. And that kind of makes them uh, a little more vulnerable up the middle, especially to uh, the tight end. Uh, A&M kind of ate them up with their tight end this, this week. And, um, I think they kind of got lucky to get out of there with a win because they were at the end. There was a, a fingertip drop that the tight end from A&M had that was uh, would have been scary if he would have caught it. Hmm. I would I would feel a lot better about that statement if we had won Mr. Bowers playing this weekend. But hey, Delta brother out. Uh, I'm sure I can take advantage of such things as well. <laughs> I mean, you gotta you do gotta watch out for sacks. I, I don't quote me on this, but I think I was looking at something earlier where. Ole Miss is uh, pretty pretty high up there in the amount of sacks that they get. Um, okay. They're pretty disruptive when it comes to that kind of getting a pass rush. Um, and uh, they they don't turn the ball over as much as they get turnovers. So um, I know that's something that Kirby also talks about uh, that he kind of looks for as a telling stat. So um, Ole Miss gets more turnovers than they turn the ball over. So the defense is doing pretty good with that. Um, they do drop a lot of interceptions, um, especially ones that would win games for them if they would just catch the ball. Um, so <laughs> they might uh, bail Carson out if he's he's off a little bit because, uh, like I said, Pete Pete's kind of putting bodies back there to get the length and to get the size, and I think he doesn't have the uh, skill as a result right now that he would like to have back there. Got it. Yeah, I know. I know. One of the things I think Kirby talked about was how many fumbles that Ole Miss forces. Apparently, they force they've uh, forced a lot of fumbles. So, JP, what are you looking? Anything you're looking for on the offensive side? On the offense side, um, I'm I'm hoping if you look at everything on paper, like with the net the net yards per play or whatever, like on paper, like Ole Miss and Mississippi are basically the same team. Um, we were, look, we were looking they're, at that. They're exactly the same team. I know yeah. you meant you, – you said Ole Miss and Mississippi. You meant Ole Miss and Missouri. Oh, sorry, Ole Miss and Missouri. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> you, sp- you speak, JP. I speak, JP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Ole Miss and Missouri on paper are basically the same team. And uh, from a net yards yards per play, what that means is, is that we can expect them to come out and play pretty good and very similar to how – Ole Miss did in terms of, uh, you know, the success rate and all, all those th- kinds of things. I think that the one area and Hunter, I'm curious to to run this off of you. 
one of the things that I saw in the Josh's and shout out dog stats, um, you know, he puts together a lot of these analysis and then analyses um, for these games and the matchups and all those kinds of things. And one of the things that I saw in the scatter plot that is everything was that when you're looking at all those, all those things, it seemed like that Ole Miss appeared to be more susceptible to the explosive play on defense more so than Miss Missouri was. That's 100% accurate. Like I said, you're you're going to get a really uh, – it's either going to be um, really assignment sound because, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, like I said, Ole Miss needs different caliber of players to be as successful with the defensive scheme that they're running as they want to be. But they've done a good job coaching those guys up. They're going to fly to the football. They're going to chase the football even to their own detriment at – at sometimes they're going to over pursue. They're going to bust coverages here and there. So they are, they have been susceptible to the big play. Mm. Yeah. They've been uh, very similar to some of the teams that we've played from, uh, in terms of what their defense has given up points per game, very similar to Kentucky, very similar to uh, Missouri. Um, Kentucky's allowing 22 points a game. Missouri's allowing 24 points a game. Ole Miss, is right at 22.9 points per game. Um, <clears throat> so what all, what, what am I looking for, Jim? All right, so I expect that Carson Beck is – this is going to be a day for Carson Beck to shine on a national stage with a deep mm-hmm. ball. Of all of the games that I would love to see this thus far this season, this is the game that we need to hit those deep opportunities because, you know, they're susceptible to it. Uh, more so than I think a lot of the teams that we played up. I haven't gone back and looked at everything in that scatterplot graph. I was mostly looking at Missouri and Ole Miss because, again, <clears throat> they're very similar. So <clears throat> they're a little bit more susceptible to that uh, to that deep pass. So I'm, I'm looking at Carson Beck to make those connections. I'm looking for a healthy Kendall Milton um, <clears throat> to be an impact in this game, for sure. I'm looking for the offensive line to have a much better game than they did in the previous game. I mean, technically speaking, like if you look at – you know, a lot of these defensive categories, you know, you look at Auburn, you look at Florida, you look at uh, Missouri, Kentucky, like all of those teams had better rush defenses, had better pass defenses than Ole Miss thus far. And so you kind of look at to the offensive line. This is a game the offensive line needs to own. They need to own the line of scrimmage from start to finish. They have the horses, like Hunter said, and lean on them um would be would be a nice a nice category for me um would be great but that said um i think that i think that they're going to be a little more susceptible through the air than they are on the ground but that said they're giving up 137 yards per game on the ground if i were to tell you before the game started that they were going to give up 137 yards on the ground would you would you take that yeah yeah i'd feel pretty good about that Sure. On top of on top of the fact that they've played nine games and have given up thirteen touchdowns on the ground, that means that roughly they're good for a touchdown and a half a game, roughly something like that. I'm not check my math. I was I told their beta math, <laughs> but yeah, 137 yards and a touchdown or two. Um, I think that you know you also kind of layer in that 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 element of Georgia's offense is pretty potent. Um, I know we're going to get to some of the scoring and all that kind of stuff. The what we think the score is going to be, but um the the impact that we're having on on offense is is pretty is where is where the separation comes in when we have good defense and we have good offense yeah 
if we can hit one of those deep balls that we've been so close on, and, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, we, you know, been close with Delp, close with Smith. Uh, I know we've been big on Ra Ra, uh, going for the deep ball, and now we got Lad back. So, but my where I was going with that is night game, 7 p.m. kickoff. If we hit a deep shot early, like watch out because the place is going to explode, and that's just going to get everyone even that more amped up for where the defense is on the field. So right. that would be I, incredible. I need to also add. Uh, it, had Georgia not gotten those two turnovers, you look at John. Shout out John. I know he's not on the call, but um, he he was he he rightly pointed out that you know we lost we lost the net yards per play game. We lost the success rate game uh, against uh, Missouri. And typically, when you see those those stat lines come up, the the, the big one was you know <laughs> I can't remember is it stats of war that does the is it Parker that, that does the that does the did my team really lose that badly? Yes. With the with the separation. Like this was the first game this season where Georgia was in the red, I believe, if I remember. It was. Uh, you're right. We were, we were in negative. And what that typically means is that if you're in that negative, you usually are losing that game. The fact that we had two turnovers in that game was a big saving grace uh, on top of many other factors. But like that red zone scoring, like uh, we've got to start. We've, we've got to, from a statistical from a statistical side of things, like in order to start being feeling better about this, this season long term, we've got to start punching in touchdowns in order to be considered an elite team, basically, is, is ultimately what we have to have happen. Yeah. And playing turnover-free ball is – part and parcel with that like i said you know all missouri missouri won missouri won by and large the the statistical battle but they lost the turnover battle and they lost the game yeah yeah agreed yeah agreed agreed on the red zone and uh i don't know maybe, maybe we'll see top 10 top 10 matchup uh no need to hold anything back uh maybe we'll see a bobo open up a little bit more in his bag of tricks uh inside the red zone i'm not saying trick plays but i'm just saying like the uh highly effective place that'd be nice to see all right. Um, before we move on to the defense, uh, why don't we take a quick moment to remind everyone that season four of My God a Podcast is presented by Oxia Time. Uh, so Oxia Time is the uh, is a custom Swiss watch company. Uh, if you got to check out their 2021 and 2022 uh, national championship watch collection, uh, you got to go check them out. Multiple designs, uh, multiple wristbands that come with the various watches. Uh, you can see all of those over at oxiatime.com. Uh, that's A-X-I-A-T-I-M-E.com. Even the cats of Dog Nation uh, appreciate the Oxia Time pieces. Uh, <laughs> if you're watching on if you're watching on YouTube, if you know, you know. Um, but yeah, head over there, check that out. You can use uh, the code My Got a Podcast uh, to get a presentation box to go along with your Swiss Time piece as well uh, to, to display it uh, in your home when it's not on your wrist. Uh, so be sure to go check that out. Shout out to Oxia Time. Thanks so much uh, for presenting uh, My Got a Podcast again in season four. All right, mm-hmm. let's get into the defense. Um, we're old, the Ole Miss offense. What we're looking for when Ole Miss has the ball. Um, so, you know, a lot of playmakers across the board on the Ole Miss offense, which you would expect with a Lane Kiffin team. Um, so Jackson Dart, uh, 160 uh, completions out of 244 attempts, 24th. Uh, 100 yards, uh, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions, but he's also the team's third leading rusher uh, with 334 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins is a stud running back. Uh, the leading rusher with 793 yards and uh, 12 touchdowns. 
Um, and looks like, I mean, I know they've got like a plethora of receivers on her, but Trey Harris, senior receiver, uh, 38 catches for 749 yards and seven touchdowns. And then Jordan Watkins, 44 catches, 627 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, the offense is potent. They put up points. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I think you kind of hit it on the head there with, um, pointing out Jackson, uh, Jackson Dart is a gritty um, playmaker. Um, I'd almost reckon it to say he's kind of like a he's a more run happy Ole Miss version of what Stetson Bennett was for Georgia the last two years. Um, mm-hmm. He might make that, you know, uh, kind of like what we saw with Stetson early on in the national championship game against Alabama, you know, dropping the ball. Um, he he might make that play, but then he'll turn around and the play that, you know, statistically you, you're not supposed to make, he'll turn around and make it. And he just hits clutch play after clutch play after clutch play. And he'll run, um, even to his own detriment, he will, uh, he will not shy away from contact. Um, he's looking when he runs, he's looking to initiate contact. Um, and I think that the offense kind of feeds off of him. Um, he, he's going to be uh, – um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and um, say uh, if you were to stack up the Missouri offense position by position versus the Ole Miss offense position by position, since that's the most recent game, mm. Jackson Dart is a better quarterback than Brady Cook. Um, he can run a lot better than Brady Cook. Um, within the offense, if, if Lane's got it dialed up, he, they roll when he, when he's throwing the ball and running the ball, they are rolling. Um, I don't think it's even a question about running backs. Who's better. I mean, we all know who Quinshawn Judkins is and what he can bring, but, um, other than Judkins, you got Ulysses Bentley, who's kind of been, um, really a, uh, the one, two punch for Ole Miss, um, He's not as now. Don't get me wrong. He can be downhill like Judkins, but he's not as downhill as Judkins. I'd say he's more of the slippery kind of uh, running back, um, yeah. almost like what we saw with um, uh, last year um, with Georgia, with their kind of one-two punch with the bigger back and um, you know the more slippery speed guy. Um, yeah. But Bentley, Bentley can hit you. Almost is going to look to run the ball. They're going to look to use those three to run the ball and use that to open up the passing game. And Trey Harris is absolutely uh, going to be an issue. If um, if they've got him dialed up, this is one of the scariest, if not the scariest games on Georgia's schedule. Um, I don't know if he's as good as Luther Burden, but he he's up there. Um, he, yeah. He's definitely up there. And he's got a supporting cast that kind of helps him out. Uh, Jordan Watkins and Dayton Wade are playmakers too. Um, they're more of the speed guys, but Trey is that big NFL prototype looking wide receiver who is going to single-handedly make plays. Um, and he, he can be a game breaker. I mean, he, he's, he's slowly getting better as the year goes on. Uh, he hasn't been totally healthy. Um, in fact, I would go on record and tell you that um, if Ole Miss would have been a healthy team when they went to Tuscaloosa, they probably would have beat that Alabama team. They didn't have a healthy Trey Harris. 
they didn't have a healthy offensive line and um, the defense was still trying to figure out who they were and kind of what their identity was going to be. And the biggest thing that a lot of people don't really know about is with Lane Kiffin offenses, you really need a tight end who can be physical at the line of scrimmage and block Mm -hmm. um, just as well as, you know, being a threat to catch passes to kind of make his offense go. And they didn't have that for those first couple games. Um, Caden Priestcorn, big transfer to Ole Miss this year, was out um, injured. I believe he had the same uh, injury that Brock had. Um, Mm -hmm. I could be mistaken on that, but he was out. Um, for the first couple of games, and he came back, let's be honest, uh, he probably shouldn't have, but because it was Alabama, Mm. he played, but he wasn't as effective as he could be, but he's slowly been getting better every week, and I think with Trey and Priestcorn health getting better, that's why you've seen the Ole Miss offense become more consistent on a week-to-week basis in their play, and Jackson Dart really start to emerge because he's got those guys, he's got multiple guys passing and running that he can take advantage of and kind of use to help him out. The big, the, the weakness, obviously, of Ole Miss's offense is their offensive line. Um, and they, they've been getting better, but they're, they're susceptible there. That's, that's the weak point. That's where Georgia's pressure point uh, needs to be. Because if you can get Ole Miss off schedule, that's where things kind of get really wonky really fast for Lane Kiffin's offense. Um, okay. they're all about being on schedule and tempo, um, and finding those mismatches. But when you can get them to, uh, two really quick plays where they don't have much of a gain and they're looking at a third and long in 30 seconds, uh, that's where it, it, it could really get out of hand for Ole Miss. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, the, it's the dart running. Like I, I, what I want to see is what can we apply from learning last week against Missouri and like, can we take any from that, anything that we learned from that and apply it to Ole Miss? Um, Cause there were definitely some frustrating moments when, when cook took off. Right. And there was like kind of a party at the red sea and he's just running down the open wide middle. Like what are, what do we adjust there and not having Javon Dumas Johnson in there to like, I mean, he's the one in there calling the plays. Um, so that I think that'll go over to smile Monday now, most likely is what, what Kirby was saying. Um, so that'll be a change there, but um, gonna see some new some new faces in there without Jamon. We we saw him last week, um, but we'll con- continue to see um, some more of the young guys out there, like C.J. Allen, Raylan Wilson. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what the difference you're gonna see between the the way they played the two is um, Jackson Dart is an established runner. Like the offense runs based on him being a a pretty efficient ball carrier I don't think Brady Cook is the same way he's kind of more of a run if you have to and he can take advantage of you if you give it to him mm-hmm. well, this is going to be looking to actively uh, weaponize Jackson Dart as a runner in this game because that's their path to being successful because it's going to open everything else up got it gotcha JP what do you got so Ole Miss uh talking about the offensive line they are middle of the pack in terms of what they're giving up, in terms of sacks, sacks per game, they are giving up about a little over two two sacks per game, uh, twenty total sacks. Um, they're number seven, actually tied with Mississippi State, actually for for that met on that metric in terms of the sacks allowed. Um, 
This game never good go. company when you're in Mississippi State's company. Never good company. <laughs> <laughs> I. I think that uh, so with that in mind, so you're, you're talking about third downs, right? Like Georgia is one of the best third down teams in in the country. I know those metrics got kind of out of of whack. Everything got out of whack with the last game against Missouri, but on the whole, um, you know, we're, we're really good on third down. So if you can stop them with a sack on third down, forcing Ole Miss to punt, I mean, you're talking about two scoring opportunities that you could potentially end um, a drive on. And it may come down to two. It may just come down to two possessions. You know what I mean? Like if we can score on two possessions that Ole Miss can't, um, that could be the difference maker in terms of the spread and all those kinds of things. Um, you know, in terms of the the defenses that they've been up against, they've done pretty well against other defenses um, in the SEC. You know, A and M being the most recent, right? Look like uh, Jackson Dart had a phenomenal game passing. Yeah, against he was really them. good last weekend against the number two team and against the number two passing defense in the SEC. What what do you think was, was different about that game versus some of these other ones? Um, Hunter? Well, the, the weird thing about the A&M game was Ole Miss was in a position where they were about to go up 21-0 and they had um, a blocked. Um, so what turned out to be a, a blocked field goal, for return for a touchdown turned into what would have been an opportunity to go up 21-0 into a 10-point swing for A&M. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, you're off schedule, your momentum is off schedule. Uh, and that's the thing you're going to see. Um, I, and I don't think I can overstate it enough, especially having watched all their games. If you knock Ole Miss off of their script, off their schedule, they have a hard time um, but if they're on schedule, and you'll see, look for look for Lane to try to want the ball first. Um, Georgia's been susceptible, as we've all seen, to that first uh, drive kind of scripted offense. Yeah. Um, and Ole Miss has been good in all their games, really, about scoring on that first drive. So that's kind of their, their strength to try to jump on you. Um, if they start going fast and they get that first play and then they start moving – that's when you start to see the the offense really click with receivers just running wide open. Um, Dart will kind of extend plays with his legs, um, and that that just they they'll start hitting big play after big play. I mean, it could get dangerous for Georgia if they get that first big first down and they start to move fast. And you see that first completion about ten yards. Usually, uh, with the games that I've seen Ole Miss play, after they hit that first completion, the next one is. 25, 30 yards. The next one's to the end zone or to the five-yard line, and Trey Harris knocks two people off of him and scoots up the sideline into the corner of the end zone. Um, they they go really quickly when they're rolling, and they score really quickly. Um, and it just kind of hits you real boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. I I am uh, – th- this is where I, I hope to see the environment play a, a big factor. And, and and try to rattle them, see how they deal with the noise. Um, a lot of home games of late for Ole Miss, um, other than Auburn. So they've only had one away game since the Alabama game, and that was at Auburn. Again, you know, another win, obviously, 20 to 21. Uh, but w- what what can we do uh, as fans to, to, to disrupt them? Uh, it's going to be, you know, night game between the hedges. We're going to have the light, the light show. Uh, people will be um, – well lubricated, we'll just say. 
and uh, you know, expect a raucous crowd. And I know, I know Kirby has been asking for that uh, already um, for folks to be elite in the stands, uh, which I fully expect to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, can that, can we get a false start? You know, can that help to kind of disrupt them and get them a little bit off, off schedule? Um, but yeah, yeah I, think, I mean, I think so. Yeah. And I, and I, they've been susceptible to that. I mean, and the okay. Auburn game was, was the kind of the last one um, that you really saw some, you know, as an Ole Miss alum and a fan of Ole Miss football when they're not playing Georgia, um, the Auburn game was really frustrating because they would have spurts in the game where you're like, all right, this game's about to, they're about to blow them out. They're about to, you know, hit the hit the pedal and and go on them, and then they'd get that false start, or they'd get that boneheaded holding penalty, and it would yeah. just absolutely kill the entire drive. Because, like I said, when you get them off schedule, they have a really hard time of getting back on it. Um, yeah. So they're really they really are feast or famine. Um, I don't know if any of y'all watched the Ole Miss LSU game. Yeah. It was yes. like a shootout, and and that's the danger of what Ole Miss can be when they're clicking. But if you get them off schedule, absolutely the crowd will have the opportunity to come into it. If you're looking at third and long, especially on that opening drive, um, that's going to be the biggest chance for the impact. When you've got them behind the sticks, behind what they want to do, if you can, you know, get them to jump even more behind, that's when the uh, Georgia defensive line, I think, is going to have a chance to kind of pin their ears back and come after Dart and to his own you know, it, it it's feast or famine with the whole offense, and it's feast or famine with Dart. If you get him in a situation like that, he's going to try to hold on to the ball as long as he can to make a play, because he sometimes does. But you can take advantage of that if you can get to him. He'll hold on to the ball, and, and mm. if you can get him, then he'll lose big yards on a sack. Got it. It does appear that uh, to Hunter's point, like even though they're kind of middle of the pack in terms of the sacks. They are one of the worst teams in the SEC in terms of tackles for loss. Um, so it looks like that you, if you can get to them, that could create some other opportunities for us to take possessions away. Um, they are one of the worst penalized teams in the country as well. Um, they have, they rank 13th in the SEC in terms of penalty yards per game. They're giving up 63 yards in penalties per game. Um, that That's worse than Missouri. And I remember, um, Missouri was one of the ones that they were talking about that was 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 heavily penalized th- this season as well. Another statistical category, and I mentioned this, like the turnovers. I didn't realize this um, until we were talking through this. Um, Ole Miss, they actually lead the SEC in turnover margin. They're at plus eight in turnovers. Mm. Um, okay. Jim, you mentioned the the the, the fumbles, um, the fumbles that they have gained. Um, you know they. They're actually number two in the SEC. They've gotten four fumbles, but they've gotten 10 interceptions um, that they've taken away, which is actually right on par with Georgia's in terms of the the number of interceptions that they have. Um, Ole Miss and Georgia are tied for third in the SEC with interceptions, but Georgia is only plus two on the turnover margin game. So, yeah, there's there's a lot wrapped up in this. I think that you uh, – I don't know, like, Hunter, Hunter, would you – if you were a defensive coordinator, would you – would you try to sell out to stop the run and, and force Jackson Dart to beat you with his arm? Or do you sell out and just kind of bend but don't break, kind of like what we saw with um, with Missouri where, you know, you kind of dare them to run the ball and not let Jackson Dart beat you over the top? 
I mean, I, I think conventional wisdom tells you 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 can't let Quinshawn Judkins beat you. We all know what he brings to the table, but I think uh, it's tough because Jackson Dart has shown that he can beat you. Um, he can beat you with his legs, and he can beat you with his arm if he has to. Um, so I think it's more of Georgia. I think you're going to see Georgia try to play contain, and then they're going to take their shots at opportune times to try to create chaos and and get turnovers. But I think you're going to see a lot of um, contain, bend but don't break uh, from from Georgia because, uh, like we said, Ole Miss has a, a lot of weapons that are pretty established at this point, and. Well, I don't think they're going to let Judkins beat them. They can't overcommit to letting to not letting Judkins beat them because Dart and Harris and Dayton Wade are very capable of of exposing um, mismatches in the secondary, especially if Georgia's um, not not manned up. I mean, Ole Miss's offense is built around being a zone killer. Like that's. Mm-hmm. that's kind of what they do they find green space and they go to it and dark finds them and hits them um so so if georgia's playing um kind of a zone defense i i would say if i was defensive coordinator i, I would man up and not let judkins beat me but i would also i wouldn't be overly him. i would say let jackson beat me with me knowing he can beat me and, right. and not 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 sell out on trying to um, go after him because then then you run the risk of that explosive play and that's kind of what they're that's their trigger when they hit one that's when they they go yeah I mean I I, I think back to like the first national championship when uh, you know you got you got Schumann in there or, or actually it was landing like yelling at the defense like we're not getting at the deep ball. You know, and like and again, it's a I mean, it's a Kirby smart defense. I mean, we're gonna try to stop the run. I mean, you know, he plays play the line of scrimmage game, so I don't know. That was my two sons, but I think they do. But like we talked about in the Missouri review, John, like what you were harping on around, you know, you you like our chances with the secondary that we've got. So I I, I think you know we should do it. We we slow down slow down the run. Uh, slow and then down we, the run being the operative yeah, word. Yeah, and then and then we rely on that secondary. So. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I was gonna say I had one one thing that I wanted to interject with the whole defense offense conversation. Okay. Ole Miss has had what? Let's see, one, two, three, four games that they've won this season by one score. Hmm. Okay. They won they won against LSU 55 to 49. Arkansas, they won 27 to 20. Shout out Pit Boss. They beat Auburn 28 to 21, and they just beat Texas A&M, 38-35. That is, I mean, Georgia, dear Georgia fan, like as great of a season as Ole Miss is having, can you imagine winning these four games by one score? <laughs> well, I think, see, I actually, I got a shout out to, uh, to, I don't know if I should do this, but like Brandon Adams on Dog Nation Daily, he mm-hmm. talked about this today. And, and this is exactly the point that I think he was making and that you just made. Georgia is the anomaly when it comes to college football. Most Hmm. teams go into every Saturday hoping that their team will win. Georgia goes into every Saturday thinking their team will win and wondering by how much. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the Ole Miss close games can promise you from the Ole Miss perspective, that is, that is not even relevant. Like they, that that does nothing to diminish the confidence that the Ole Miss people, the Ole Miss team, 
for that matter, has in coming into this game because their whole mentality is is just win, right? And I know Kirby preaches that too, but like the reality of it is that Georgia's better than everybody. Like when's the last time they want they lost a home game, right? So yeah, yeah. we're at what twenty seven. Georgia's got better talent. Like they've got they've got better coaching. Like mindset is a total Georgia mindset of well they've only won their games by this many well for for 90 percent of college football that's all that matters right Um, yeah they're not coming in any less confident that they can win this game because they've had close games against Auburn or A&M they they look at it as we're we're eight and one and and I was saving this for later but it kind of got brought up The, the the mentality that I'm from this game and I know we talked about it in the text thread earlier Ole Miss after Alabama beat LSU last weekend it's a it's a foregone conclusion they can't win the West right Alabama's got and I don't even know who who else left um in the West but I mean it's a foregone conclusion Kentucky maybe is their other SEC game I think Alabama yeah. plays Kentucky this weekend they do so at Kentucky at, at eight and one to Alabama, which Ole Miss was not healthy. And, you know, Lane Kiffin has a mental block when it comes to playing Nick Saban. I don't know what it is. He cannot, and he will never, like, he'll never beat Nick Saban. He can't do it. He he just, something happens to his brain. It turns to mush when Nick Saban's across from him on the sideline. I think, um, I think, I think Lane Kiffin is uh, Nick Saban's Shane Beamer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he'll <laughs> right. talk him up. He'll throw jabs at him and then tell him, like, call him the goat, like, all week while throwing jabs at him the whole week of the game. And then he'll go out there and, you know, crap the bed, like, inexplicably, like, in a way that, you know, maybe they were going to lose the game, but, like, not like this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So the Ole Miss perspective of this Georgia game is we didn't care. We got to eight and one going into this game, but the fact that they're now eight and one going into this game, and it's a foregone conclusion that Alabama's going to win the West. This is a pressure-free crosshairs are on the premier program of college football right now at mm-hmm. their place. Pressure-free, nothing on the line for Ole Miss. They can't win the West. They can't make it to Atlanta. They're going. They're going to give Georgia their absolute best shot with no strings attached to it. And that's how they're looking at this game. They, there's people within the program, um, and I've been listening to some, some podcasts here lately and some player interviews. Um, there are Ole Miss players who are starting to believe that if they can take Georgia out Saturday, they have a backdoor entrance into the playoff the way Alabama backdoored mm-hmm. their way in in 2017 like that's that's their thought process behind this nothing to lose everything to gain if we lose giving them our best shot we weren't going to win the west anyway but if we can do it then beat louisiana monroe and beat mississippi state we sit home mm-hmm. championship weekend while georgia has to go play alabama and wait and see what happens that's kind of the old miss mindset right now so yeah. you're get you're gonna get an Ole Miss team that's gonna play loose. Lane's gonna throw the kitchen sink at him. He's got nothing to lose because everybody expects him to lose anyway. This this is Georgia's, and I, I'm not saying this just because I'm a 
you know, an Ole Miss grad and, you know, that's my, my team also. Um, this game scares me for Georgia because of the mentality that Ole Miss has going into it. There's no pressure like there was when they went to Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Lane doesn't have the pressure on him to try to beat Nick Saban like he does when they went to Tuscaloosa. Um, yeah. And Ole Miss is kind of feel they've gotten better all year, but as a team, they feel like the time to take this shot and do it. Like they don't care how they got here, but the fact that they got here with only one loss and that one loss is to Alabama, they think that this is this is their shot and they're about to take it. Yeah. And I mean, th- this would take us incredibly off the rails, so I'm not going to go here. But the only thing I'm going to add on to that is next year it would 100 be the case with a 12 team playoff. Although you know, although maybe that does give them more pressure then at that point. I don't know to that point, but uh, again, this is the last season of uh, College Bowl as how we know it because the 12 12 team playoff uh, they're 100 still still a nun hunt. So yeah. not, and oh. that's what I'm saying. You've got an Ole Miss team with nothing to lose and Georgia yeah. with everything to lose. Right. Right. Uh, well, Georgia, Georgia, right. I would say, yeah. What I hear you saying, Jim, is that the regular season matters. And it does. we don't yeah. need a 12-team playoff. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I had one special teams nugget before we uh, move on to the listener questions. Uh, that shocking uh, Ole Miss has a punter from Pro Kick Australia. Um, his name is Fraser, Fraser Mason. Uh, does yet, he have uh, any returns, Jim? <laughs> yes, everyone has a return uh except <laughs> Brett Dorson. Uh so so still the only school in the country uh with zero punt returns against the punt team. Uh that that was my special special teams nugget. I don't have anything else. I love it. Anything we should know? Uh since you've had these close games, have they, have they come down to final kicks? I can't even I don't even know. Yeah, last week. Last week, okay. So AM you... lined up to kick the field goal to tie the game and almost blocked it. Uh, a partial block. So um, but your kicker I mean, has not had to win a game on a last second kick. No, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the place kicker is Caden Davis. He is 14 of 18 on field goals and, uh, he's perfect on extra points. 34 for 34. What's so, his longest field goal asking for a friend? Don't know. I don't have that. I didn't, <laughs> I don't have that level of detail at my disposal right now. So can we take a minute to talk about how Woodring has turned into an absolute weapon? For Georgia, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, it was a yeah. You know, we were we were getting listener questions about like what's wrong with him. When are we gonna you know? Do we need He's a to, freshman man? What do you mean? What's wrong with him? He's never need, kicked in a place like that before. That's what's wrong with him. He'll figure it out. Do we need yeah. to go to Zirkle? Like all this kind of stuff. So another thing that I heard on uh, shout out Bulldog Brunch, something Kevin Butler talked about, or maybe it was Kirby. On a I don't I don't remember where I heard this. I did not realize this. Peyton Woodring was not just a kicker in high school. He was a position player. Like he played in the field and was the kicker. So, yes. you know, so I this know what is... you're talking about. I heard that too. I believe it was the Bulldog Brunch. Okay. But he's never had to like go through the process of being in a game where all he does is kick. Like he's exactly. used to playing and then going and kicking. So like the whole mental part of being on the sideline while the game's happening and preparing to do the kick. Like that was all new to him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Where literally all you have to do is sit and think about your kick. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's not, he's not wondering, Oh shoot, do I need to go in? It's, it's third down. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's, that's totally different. 
but yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it was like, there was something wrong with his, again, you think of a, you think of striking the ball kind of like a golf swing. I think there was something off with his swing to, so to speak. And looks like he's figured it out. I mean that he, he drilled that one against, uh, against Missouri. And that was a huge kick. Um, you know, made it a two score game there in a, in a pressure situation, you know, in a, in a big time moment in the game that was for the lead in the East. Um, so yeah, man, man he, Made that it. kid was nails for those kicks in the Missouri game. Like, yeah, yeah. It took some stones for a freshman to run out there and make those kicks. Yeah, totally. Honestly, we need we need Woodring to do some some kind of fake field goal or something where he can actually <laughs> have the ball in his hand and we can promote the kickers or athletes to hashtag <laughs> Peyton Woodring. I like it. I like it. I like it. That that would be amazing. That would be amazing. All right, let's. Uh... Ole Miss has kicked a 56-yard field goal, Jim. That's, That's the longest. longest. Okay. That's his longest kick for the for the record. Um, okay. Okay. He's basically five of eight. He's five of eight from beyond 40 yards. I okay. think the 56-yarder was against Tulane in a game that was real. I mean, that was early in the season. I think it was the third game of the season. It was down in New Orleans. Um, mm-hmm. And that game was kind of teetering on Ole Miss losing control of it. And he, he nailed that field goal to kind of put him out front for what would be, you know, the last lead change of the game. So that was not an insignificant 56-yard field goal either. Right. Got it. Okay. Okay. All right. You guys get to hit the Lister questions? I think so. Okay. Um, so Lister questions are uh, brought to you by Working Web Media. Uh, so we've talked about we had our website redesigned in the offseason. Uh, so be sure to go check out the newly redesigned mygodapodcast.com. Uh, we got all our merch on there. Uh, the hats that you've seen us all wearing, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, are on, available on the site. Uh, be sure to go check that out. Uh, but if you've got a small business um, and you need any help with your website or your online presence, be sure to go check them out at workingwebmedia.com slash dogs, and then they will know that we sent you their way. All right. First up, friend of the show, friend of the crew, Bobby Wilson. Uh, hey, Jim and John and Hunter. He didn't know, you know, I jumped the gun and solicited this, but solicited questions before uh, we had finalized <laughs> <laughs> having Surprise, you on Hunter. Bobby. Surprise. <laughs> um, so one, what is the best tailgate drinking strategy for a 7 p.m. kickoff? So knowing that we must all show up early and loud. You got to take this one having tailgated it, with Bobby <laughs> multiple times. Bobby is going to spare no resource in having the A1 stuff. Bobby, a marathon, not a sprint, my friend. It is a marathon, not a sprint. That is the only strategy you need for this weekend because here's the other thing. If you're going to be hospitable to Ole Miss fans, <laughs> don't try to drink with them. <laughs> there's been a lot of pain and torment of Ole Miss football. If there's one thing Ole Miss people can do and win, if you've ever been to the Grove, you know that all you smell is bourbon and pine straw. All right. These, they're nothing, it's nothing to play with if you go drinking with Ole Miss people. So it is a marathon, not a sprint. A bourbon and pine straw is amazing. Uh, I concur. I concur. I, 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 I my, my, my approach, Jim, actually begins in the days leading up to a mm. seven, seven o'clock kickoff. Because if you don't hydrate ahead of time, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna win the game. It's it's preparation, right? Better yes. never rests. Uh, but 
to be honest, like the day of, like basically from the moment I wake up, I have a liquid IV or something like that, like where I just like just prepare my body. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You gotta get, you gotta get some antacid in there. I'm at the age now where I've got to take antacid before everything. Hunter knows nothing about this. He's like, "What is antacid?" Amazing. Um, All right. He had a a question about the secondary, but I I think I think we hit on that. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move ahead to John Michael D. Now, this Hunter gotta feel honored by this because again, we did not say you were gonna be on, but. John Michael D says, knew that hashtag uniform Twitter would be out and about on this one, but would it be more appropriate now than ever in honor of Hunt the Gems uh, to have a blackout? I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. Jim's, Jim's wearing his blackout hat. Okay. Two things I've got on. I've got I've got on a, a black hat, better never rest. Two, if you know, you know where this t-shirt came from. This is, uh, so shout out uh, uh, s- small batch apparel, if you know, you know. Uh, so we're, we're this one for you, two hundred. Here's what I'm gonna say: zero percent chance we come out in black. But yeah, as a, it's a zero percent chance. But it would be awesome. It would be awesome. But as a either fan, way, it doesn't mean that you don't you can't wear black. Uh, I, I think wear, either way, uniform Twitter, yeah, has the potential. And I, uh, anybody who's followed me or seen my tweet, I've already tweeted this out. Um, to be the best uniform game year, I think. Because mm. Georgia's Georgia's classic look is top five, right? right. Um, and I I will admit that I am a homer on this one. Um, if Ole Miss wears powder blue helmets with gray pants, and then any combination of jersey, it doesn't matter if it's navy jersey, red jersey, or white jersey, top uniform in football. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I'm a little homer on that one, but. <laughs> If they come out in powder blue, gray, white, and Georgia's out in red, red, gray, uh, silver. Yeah. Best uniform game of the year. Under the lights, it's not even close. It's not even close. Yeah. But yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting for sure. Where do you stand, Hunter? Where do you stand on the black uniforms? Do you do you wish that there was like just rules ahead of ahead of games? Like Yeah, I think that's the easiest answer. I mean if you all the only opposition you see to it is the fake juice argument or whatever from the people who also just like don't like fun. Um, <laughs> but for Georgia, it's not even fake juice. Uh, it's a school color. It's like the school color, the other color, the other uh, color, red and yeah. black. <laughs> like uh, yeah. it's not like Florida going out there in a black jersey when their colors are not black. Um, yeah. It is the school color. I think the easiest way to just remedy all this is to say every year we're going to wear this black jersey before the season. We're going to wear it in this game. Preferably for me, it would be the Auburn game. When we play Auburn at Sanford Stadium, you wear the black jersey every year. It's understood. And then yeah. when Auburn's away, you just pick another game other than that one. But have it spelled out. You just eliminate all the controversy, all the fake juice because – you know, there's no way that you can even argue that. Like, it's been playing the whole time, regardless of how good Georgia was or how good whoever they're playing was, black jersey. Yeah, I would say I, I would I would like to see like some kind of tradition like that come 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 about. Like, so for example, Jim, I know he talks about this. Like, we're, the game's usually played in November, right, Jim? Uh, Auburn. I mean, it it, it used to be used before to be. people before people started trying to ruin college football. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so all right so here's here's what i would say like if 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 we're going to continue to play auburn earlier in the season or whatever like 
that game should be blackout or whatever. But like, I do think that there's an element. Chase actually called something out that I thought was kind of interesting because let's do it earlier in the season or whatever. Well, it's like a hundred degrees outside um, yeah. in most of the games. So we've actually reached a point now where you've got daylight savings time, right? So like, in my mm-hmm. opinion, if there's a game after daylight savings time, that's a night game. It's a blackout. So right. this weekend. Yeah. Yes. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. All right. Let's see. Brett building actually. So Brett has a, a traditional uh, two-parter, but the first one was, should we just stop talking about black uniforms altogether? I think, I think, no, I think we can, we, we just proved that in the last question. Uh, so I don't think we should, um, but 0% chance this week. Uh, th- like the tweet from the podcast was a joke. Like, come on people, take a joke. Um, <laughs> uh, two. All right. Hunter again, lucky to have you here. What is the nickname and the mascot of Ole Miss other than Lane's dog juice? He said there are rebels and land sharks and that colonel at one point, it's almost as confusing as Auburn. Bears. There's bears involved in this too. Yeah, but almost as confusing as Auburn with the multiple mascots. Hunter, enlighten us, please. All right, so let me lay this out. This is this is a point of embarrassment for my alma mater. Um, that, <laughs> among, that we don't among, know. among many things, Hunter. <laughs> among many things, uh, we won't get into those uh, <laughs> political arguments here in Mississippi history. Um, what happened was the Ole Miss administration uh, back in 2003 decided they wanted to move away from any sort of Confederate imagery. um, And they did away with Colonel Reb. Um, But even to this day, today, like right now, as we speak, they are still the Ole Miss rebels. Like that is officially their nickname, like Georgia Bulldogs, Ole Miss rebels. Mm -hmm. That's never changed. It never will change. Hopefully. Um, as far as the actual costumed person that you see on the field, um, when they got rid of Colonel Reb, the original plan was to do a vote, right? And this was around my time uh, that one of these votes happened uh, when I was an undergrad. Um, and the options were awful. Um, <laughs> the black bear was the one that won the vote originally mm. like one we don't know how it won the bear um, the, sorry was it the bear yeah his name his name was rebel the black bear i like rebel which, i like rebel the black bear i mean i don't even know like i'm sure i know there's black bears in mississippi but it's not like a significant enough amount to make that your mascot i think they just wanted something they originally tried to cater it to children to the younger fans to the rebel kids club um that kind of thing well, then um, under Hugh Freeze, well, really, it was before Hugh Freeze. It was really with Jarrell Poe. Um, uh, he kind of, he he made a play, and I believe it was the LSU game. Uh, the year is escaping me, and he kind of threw up the Landshark side mm-hmm. after making the sack. And Landshark had always kind of been gaining traction up until then as well. But as you all see now, you know, the Black Bear wasn't a hit. Uh, wasn't real well received at all. Um, so they decided to back up and punt and go back to okay, well, the rebel, the land shark thing is kind of taken off. Let's make this awful, uh, <laughs> it's like a you know, surf show cartoon character of a land shark. His name is Tony the Land Shark, um, <laughs> that walks around with like giant buff. Uh, like he looks like the crimson chin from uh, the Fairly Odd Parents. If he was a shark, 
That's what he looks like. Um, and so that's kind of the on-field dress-up mascot that they have is Tony Blanchard. And he's also not very well-received. He's not very popular. Like It's, it's a point of embarrassment to which um, gained more traction here recently with Juice. I see that the question talks about Lane Kiffin's dog, Juice, Yeah. Um, who uh, a lot of Ole Miss people – say, why don't we just make our mascot, if we have to have an, an on-field mascot that's not a rebel, a dog like Juice, a hunting dog, um, because um, I don't know if y'all are aware, uh, Ole Miss and Oxford is actually not very far from the Mississippi Delta, uh, which is a huge, um, probably one of the best duck hunting um, areas in the United States. So a lot of Ole Miss alumni, a lot of Ole Miss people are big duck hunters. And so it's kind of the natural, all right, well, we have juice out there already. Like, let's just go ahead and kick this giant steroided out shark to the curb and just go full time with the dog, with the the lab or the golden retriever. Um, and just kind of make that our, if we have to have a mascot for the kids, let's go with that one because it's not as embarrassing as that shark. It's something that Ole Miss people can relate to. It's something that um, you know, is actually actually part of culture for people here in Mississippi, um, more so than a physical land shark. Because I don't think that the intent for the land shark sign when making a play on defense was ever meant to go as far as it did with this atrocity <laughs> of a mascot. Gotcha, gotcha. That's Amazing. Brad, I, I, miss, I, I miss Colonel Reb. Uh, what I miss is the Colonel Reb is crying uh, song. Uh yes. Y'all, 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 football. Amazing, amazing. Brent Schaefer. Schaefer. <laughs> Whenever I see that, I, I'm reminded that Brent Schaefer played for Ole Miss. I always forget that. Anyway, um, sorry, I want to just one more thing interject like, to make to wrap yes. it all up. Like, yes, gotta put a bow on this. Like, okay, the Ole Miss Rebels, right? Not the Ole Miss Land Sharks. Like, I know it's fun okay. to like poke fun at, right? You know, if you're the we are not Auburn. <laughs> yeah, we are not Auburn. We are the Ole Miss Rebels. We have a unfortunate on-field mascot, but we are the Ole Miss Rebels. And, and pet peeve, nobody calls Ole Miss Mississippi in casual conversation. Hmm. When you refer to Ole Miss, you refer to them as Ole Miss or, you know, the Rebels, uh, especially when it comes to sports. Nobody says, oh, we're going to play Mississippi this weekend. You play Ole Miss this weekend, and if you're going to be uh, correct in the university's name, you say the University of Mississippi if we're talking academically. Mm -hmm. Nobody even in the academic world says, I go to Mississippi. I work for Mississippi. I work for the University of Mississippi, the flagship University of Mississippi. We are not Mississippi. Right. Got it. Noted. Noted. I, I, Brett, I hope uh, I, I'm sure that fully surpassed Brett what, the answer you're expecting to get <laughs> from that question. <laughs> oh, amazing! I just sent you guys the Colonel Reb song. If you oh, it's so play good. It. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> we'll we'll have to tweet it out for those who haven't seen it. All right, let's see. Uh, Fletcher Proctor. He said, "With the hoop season beginning Monday versus Oregon and Las Vegas, which newcomer are you most interested in seeing on the hardwood?" Then he said, "Oh wait, this is a football podcast." I will say uh, for me. I'll, I'll, my my quick one additional thing for Fletcher Blue Cane, a hundred percent because of his name, because uh, we can say things like "Blue, you're my boy," 
And uh, when he hits a three, we can say Kane is able uh, a little uh, uh, the program reference. All right. <laughs> Since Edwards missed the first few games of the year, odds he's pretty fresh. Will we see his play count go up this week? I don't know that it'll go up this week as opposed to last. I feel like he's I think at this point we've got a pretty established rotation going on with kind of Dejon and, and, and Kendall Kendall as kind of uh, the one two punch right now. So I don't know that it'll go up, but. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like that, you know, the rest early on maybe probably can't, can't hurt a little fresher. So mm-hmm. let's see Uh friend of the show, Tim Riley, um, biggest threat Judkins running Harris receiving or dart running Hunter, You want to take that one? Which, which one of those three is the biggest threat dart running because if dart can run, the other ones are going to be open. Okay. Dangerous. Okay. Uh, and then he also wants to know question number two, equivalent bottles of bourbon consumed throughout the day, plus or minus 10,000. Copious amounts. Always always the over for this. You always you always smash the over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see, fifty-one to seven GATA wanted to know if Georgia has the most difficult path to the playoff of the top eight teams. Um, We do have a tough one. I mean, with if if you look like from the initial playoff ranking, like everyone other than Georgia Tech remaining on the schedule uh, was ranked in the playoff the initial playoff rankings. And then plus, um, like you were saying, Hunter, I mean, kind of presume should Georgia make it to the SEC championship, most likely going to face Alabama. And uh, they look pretty dang, pretty dang good last week against LSU. So I don't know. Well, uh, the only thing is like, you got to take that with a grain of salt, though, because LSU's defense is pretty trash. I mean, <laughs> it was definitely a defense optional game. Yeah. Optional. Yeah. So I, mean, I think the answer to the question is yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's even close. Georgia has the toughest. Yeah, I agree. Schedule to get there. I agree. So take that, all that Georgia has an easy schedule, people. Come on. Yeah, seriously. Uh, all right, why don't we end on this one uh, with our friend of the show, uh, the hug dog, Jason Huggins. Uh, gents, thank you for what you do. Number one, who has oh, who has a more punchable face, Lane or Shane? Shane. <laughs> Gotta be Shane. Uh, We'll, we'll make it a we'll make it a clean sweep and agree on the pod. At least go, Lane, owns, Lane owns who he is, right? Yeah. I do Beamer's think Lane in, is he is funny. Like I, I do. I Beamer's in denial about who he is. He's <laughs> like, oh man, well, like you can't really blame me. I do coach at South Carolina after all. <laughs> Lane's the guy we make fun of, and you like at the end of the day, you're like, you know, I could probably have a beer with him. And Shane is just like, God, just shut up. Right. Right. Agreed. Um, let's see. Number two, even though it's a bit manufactured and highly inaccurate, will we hit a new high on the decibel meter Saturday night? Yes. I think yeah. so. I think so too. Uh, I do think it's going to be, I think it's going to be super loud. Um, that's, I mean, this, this, this is, it is the biggest, it's the last game is the last home game of the season. Back-to-back national champions, uh, night game, the biggest game of the year at home all season. It's the one we've been building. Like we said, Kentucky was looming large, right? We talked about that all through the summer. Uh, who knew that this was going to be the one uh, in, in the preseason. So um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. Um, and then last, last for, uh, for hug dog, should I bring the Eagle rare or Weller 1.5 liter bottle Saturday or both go dogs? Yes. Both. Both <laughs> is good. The, uh, <laughs> The Eagle Rare was there this weekend. I know that. I uh, I, I may or may not have had a pour from that on Saturday. I, lo- I like it. All right. Um, are you guys ready? Hunter, you got to dance to this one.
All right. It is time for coaches under over unders Ole Miss edition. All right. Uh, let's see. I have the lead. Let's see. I guess coach, you don't have to track hunters, but Hunter, uh, her, Hey, coach can track hunters. If he wants to coach, if you want to track hunters, you can track them, <laughs> but you won't be able if to catch it, us in if, the season. If he standings. wins, you can give the points to me. It's fine. Okay. 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 <laughs> All right. Uh, but I do hold the lead, uh, on the season. So I will go first. Um, Passing, so starting with the Georgia offense, over under two and a half passing touchdowns, and I'm going to take the over. Over. And I goes with the over. John, where are you at? Over, under, passing, uh, over. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, at least John gets to go before I do on this one. Uh, off for the Georgia offense, over, under 175 rushing yards. Hmm. I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go under. Okay. I'm going to go under. I think if Ole Miss has a strength on defense, it's their D-line. Like, that's their strength. I don't think it's going to be okay. over. Okay. I'm going to go under, too. 175 is a, is, is a lot. If you um, had that line about 30, 30, 40, 30, 20, 30 yards lower, I might have had a tougher time going with it. But uh, 175 is a lot. Okay. Uh, let's see. Over, under, 19 and a half first half points. Hmm. That's I think that's a decent line. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna be aggressive and go over. I'm gonna go under. I'm also gonna go under. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Uh, over to UJP. Over to the defense. Uh, so over under 300 passing yards for Ole Miss. Under. Under. Um, I'm gonna say under as well. Hunter, what do you think? I'm gonna say. I don't know. This is a tough one. I just I don't know how Ole Miss is gonna try to attack them. If they're yeah. going all out on the passing and they're clicking, you could see it and still possibly see Georgia win a shootout game. Um, I'm just going to say under because I don't have confidence that they can consistently do it. Got it. Um, let's see. For I mean, let me let me just throw this out there since we've already all answered the only teams that he's thrown for over 300 yards: Texas A&M, LSU, and Mercer. Hmm. Okay. Okay, man, that was unfortunate. They they waxed Mercer, my my uh, our friend, our friend's uh, son plays for Mercer. At any rate, uh, let's see JD two, so that'd be Jackson Dart uh, rushing yards uh, over under sixty five. Um, and this is my turn. Uh, I'm gonna go under. Maybe that's for wishful the half th- or for the game. For the game, maybe that's wishful thinking. Sacks yeah, come out. Sacks come off of them though. Over. John, what do you got? What was the line? 65. I'm going to go under. Okay. Uh, and then JP for you. Over under. He's only run for over 65 yards uh, once, it looks like. Okay. Against Georgia Tech. Uh, over under one and a half forced turnovers for the Georgia defense. Is it to me? Yeah. Over. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I think I think if, if Georgia's going to come out and make the statement that we all think that they should and will – they're going to need to have that over. All right. Man, clean sweep over. Also, that's strategic. Haha, <laughs> John. Okay. Um, over under 1.5 Georgia punts in this game. What do we have? Three punts last week. We talked about that. Um, oh, man, it would be so awesome to, to be under. I'm going to go under. What's the 1.5 punts? Yeah. I'm going to go Georgia. over. Over? Yeah, I think I'm going to go over. Okay. All right. And then... Uh, the last one, JP, this is to start with you. Game day signs for miscellaneous. Game day signs asking to bring back Pollock over under five and a half. <laughs> Smash the over. 
I, I call shenanigans on tracking this though, because it's impossible to read the signs at game day <laughs> like with any level of detail anymore. Yeah, I'm gonna smash the over on this one too, because even my wife was like, Are you gonna talk to them on the podcast about how they need to bring David Pollock back? <laughs> Amazing. Dude, how how awesome would that be if the entire like first row was nothing but signs of like, where's Pollock? Bring Pollock back. We want Pollock. Well, what I've loved is I've seen there's a movement on Twitter to uh, have Pollock be the guest picker. <laughs> yeah, skinny, skinny, sweet. Uh, that would be good. All that right, was amazing. I, I I would throw out I would throw out that uh, if you were if you were a if you're a, a fan or not a fan, like how many how many jokes are they going to make at Pat McAfee? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There, there there should be all of them. All right, I'll smash the over for solidarity, and uh, so the coach doesn't have to worry about actually counting the signs. <laughs> uh, so I'll take the over. All right, thanks as always to Coach Trubill for uh, for tracking the over unders and submitting them. Obviously, yes. All sir. right. So for final predictions, uh, let's look at the the usual things to go into this. So CBCR two Sam has Georgia winning thirty three and a half to nineteen point six. The spread via Odd Shark is Georgia's favored by ten and a half. The over-under is 59. That gives an implied score of Georgia 34.775 to 24.25. Uh, Odd Shark has a predicted score, Georgia 43 to 27. Uh, the CFB Nerds model has Georgia 34.4 to Ole Miss 23.3. Um, looking at the scoring impact, um, Georgia is uh, scoring right around a touchdown more on teams and they tend to give up and is holding teams to almost nine points fewer than they score. Um, so if you apply that, it would be Georgia 32 and a half to Ole Miss 25.3. Um, it's a, it's a big one. We've been, John, you asked last week, could Georgia clinch the East against Missouri? Obviously they could not, but if Georgia wins this game, Georgia clinches, clinches the East and punches a ticket to the SEC championship. Hunter, like you said, uh, no such things in the cards for Ole Miss. They, they would need, even if they win this game, would need help from from Bama to get there. Um, I uh, I'm going to go kind of along the lines of the uh, the impact. Looking at that, um, I've got the dogs winning this one, 33 to 24. 33 24. Okay, so that's actually pretty close. I mean, that's pretty darn close to CFB nerds. That's pretty close to the Otchark has Otchark has us running away with this one. <laughs> yeah, theirs is pretty big. Theirs is pretty big. I was surprised by that. I mean, I kind of I kind of like that score. I do too. I kind of like that score a lot better I mean, than I, I could see the path to that score too. If you I could see the path to that score game, absolutely. If you're looking at a close game late, Ole Miss is going to try to press and that's when you get in the danger yeah. of a big turnover, turnover six, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So I could see where that that kind of runaway score at the end happens. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Hunter, you want to hit us? With, do you have one while John's thinking? <laughs> yeah, um, I've got two lines of thinking on this. Um, okay, from everything that I've seen from Georgia in games like this, Kirby finds a way to absolutely get those guys up in a way that we don't see on a week to week basis for these big games. And every expectation that you have for the other team to come out and be able to be successful like they do or like they have done, it doesn't ever materialize. I mean, look at Tennessee last year. Mm -hmm. This feels like that same game to me, 
Yeah. This feels like that same buildup to me. I mean, obviously Ole Miss is not number one, but like in a in this season as a comparison, this feels like that game. So my first line of thinking is to say that um, Georgia is going to dominate the game, maybe not run away totally with the score, but the game will never be in doubt. Similar, and, and this is also coming from being an Ole Miss alum and an Ole Miss fan as well. Ole Miss tends to let you down on games like this. Okay. <laughs> this this is this is everything that builds into an Ole Miss letdown game, and everything that Kirby builds into a Georgia big game win. Yeah. So for me, I think. I'm going to go Georgia 27, Ole Miss 10. Um, Wow. I just feel like that's that's the score score of the Alabama game, wasn't it? Now, there's absolutely absolutely a a way where this game turns shootout. Yeah. Like, if Ole Miss bucks their trend of how they play in big games like this, you could be looking at – I think what you, what y'all have predicted and what the numbers are showing a closer Georgia win 31 27 33 20 you know 4 something like that. Yeah. Um I just I I got too much too much old miss in me, too much doubt for what old miss has always done to me. Mm-hmm. And I know how Georgia plays in these games. I don't think it's I don't think it's going to end up being close. Ole Miss might jump out to a quick score and then kind of just shut it down, get knocked off track like they did in Tuscaloosa. I just I think that that's the way this feels with the crowd and with the environment. Um, Yeah, I could be totally wrong. um, I like your I like that's my gut feeling. I like your feeling better than my prediction. Yeah, because it's kind of a shootout, right? Like, and and I think to your point, Hunter, uh, I think pretty much a lot every every team this season has scored on Georgia in the first quarter, right? Which is not normal, right? 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 Uh, so it's not all of them; it's a lot of them. Um, oh, man, I really I re- I'm looking at that odd shark predicted score, and I'm just like, man. But then Hunter threw out a number that I feel like I could play I could play around with that. What was what was Hunter score twenty seven ten? I'm yeah. going to go 34 to 14. Nice. I like it. I like it. Cool. Well, Hunter, appreciate you joining. Uh, it had, had to have you on for the Ole Miss game. Uh, we, we've referred to Ole Miss as the fighting hunters throughout this season, at least, because we, we, <laughs> we knew they were we knew they were on the schedule. Uh, <laughs> shout out to John Tweets. Uh, John was supposed to be with us tonight, but uh, was, was not feeling well, couldn't make it. So, John, we hope you're feeling better by the time you hear this. Um, but this is, this is, this has been a blast as I, as I knew it would be mm, good times. Absolutely. Had to get the, the text, te- get the text thread together, get the crew, uh, and, uh, always, always a good time. In Kirby, we trust guys. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.